Morning. Good morning. Yeah, okay, that's better. You are out there. <laughs> Will you stand? Let's begin our worship this morning. Our feet are on the rock. Thank you so much, worship team. How's everyone doing this morning, Kavanaugh Church family? Good. It's so good to see you guys. Man, the Lord has blessed us with a beautiful day to come into His presence and to His house and be able to worship and grow together. Amen? Amen. It's so good to see you guys. We've been praying for you all week. We, we know that God meets us here in this place, and we know that He has something incredible for us today. So the question is, are you ready? That's the question. So are you ready? Good, good, good. 
I got a couple announcements before we get things kicked back off again with worship time. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but for the last couple of weeks, we've had these little square cards sitting in the chairs around you. Um, this is important because, one, we want to connect with you and make sure that we have all the right updated information uh, because we have, again, we have things that are going on. We want to make sure that we can get in, in, in contact with you. But also, you fill this out as a family, and then you take it back here, and uh, we'll have your picture taken for you, all right? It's for our church directory. Here's the thing. We want you in our church directory. If you're a member here at Capital Church, we want you to be in the church directory. So this is your last chance, basically is all I'm trying to say, is get your picture taken. You all look beautiful, okay? Be confident in that, and go out there right after service, fill this card out, and we'll have your picture made, and that will be going into our directory that we'll be making in a few weeks, okay? We want to make sure that you are in that. The other thing is that, I don't know if you're aware, but there's a whole bunch of tables out in our lobby, all right? And on those tables, are they're filled with all of the ministries that are going on here at Kavanaugh Church. And this, this past sermon series uh, through the spiritual gifts and through our C groups has been absolutely incredible, and I hope that you've been able to learn a lot and discover the gift that God has given you. He's given every single one of us a gift, and I truly believe, Brother Will, every single person in this room has a skill and a talent that can be used for the kingdom. There is so much potential in this room. We believe that, and we need you. You are the body of Christ, and we truly believe that we can make a difference in this world, all right? And how you can begin to do that is coming out there to our ministry fair in the lobby and seeing what's available and how you can serve in our church. There's so many different places that we would love to, for you to see. Anywhere from the young home ministry to our ladies ministry to the student ministry, the best ministry in the church, to the we worship ministry. I'm just kidding. All right. Um, the we worship area, anything. There's so many places that you could serve and plug in at, and we want to make sure that that is known. So please, right after service, go out there, check out the tables, ask the questions, and then go home and pray about it too because we want to make sure that you fall in the right spot, okay? Good? Good. All right, let's stand up. We're going to ask God's anointing on our service today. It's so good to see you guys. Again, you've been prayed for. We love you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I'm so thankful for this place and for this church, God. So thankful that we can come in here and be able to hear the word preached and to be able to lift up all of praise and glory and honor to you, God. So, Lord, thank you for bringing us together. And, Lord, ready our hearts because the word today is incredible. Thank you so much for our pastor and the time that you spent with him in preparing for this message today, God. Speak to us because we want to grow. We want to become the people that you want us to be, and, and, and we don't want to just want to settle for the status quo. We want to, we want to be far-reaching, far-expanding out into a world that is simply in need of you, God. So, Lord, equip us, ready us for the greatest mission of all time. But, Lord, also prepare our hearts because there might be someone in here today that needs to know you as a personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, we're praying for that person. We're holding that person close in our hearts right now. And Lord, we're just asking that you stir in them in a way where they see your love, they see your grace, and they've seen what, they, what you've done for them, God. We love you. And we're so thankful for Jesus for the cross. And we want everyone to know that message here in this room, God. So be with us the rest of our service time. Allow, uh, allow your spirit to flow and be a part of this room. And Lord, do something incredible today. In your name, amen. Greet those around you, and we'll get started in a couple seconds. Hey, brother.
love of God. Amen. Yes. Uh, we've been studying in our C groups, and then also the sermons are coinciding with uh, spiritual gifts and how those are given to us by the Holy Spirit. And for each believer, you've been given a gift. And so as a believer, um, one of our biggest desires should be to listen to the Holy Spirit and to follow the direction so that we can do what God has created us to do. Um, the next song we're singing is Spirit of the Living God. And I'd like if you'd let me uh, just to read some lyrics from a hymn with the same name, Spirit of the Living God. It was written back in 1926. Listen to these words, Spirit of the Living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the Living God, fall fresh on me. Break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. Spirit of the Living God, fall fresh on me. And maybe as we sing this song today, that could be your prayer. Lord, just fall fresh on me and help me to realize what you're calling me to do. Spirit of the Living God.
speak to us and that you can flow through this room. And I pray, God, that you would give us that word that we would long to hear that we need to hear. And I pray that you would give Brother Will the words to speak so that through him you can speak through anyone here that has a need. And God, we know we all got them. And I pray also that if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and personal Savior, that they would come today and they would get to know you before it's too late. I thank you for this church and I thank you for everything that you've done for me. And I pray blessings on the rest of this service and it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Give the praise team another big hand, would you? They, man, they do phenomenal. Glad you're here today. This, is, uh, this represents Passion Week. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to celebrate Easter. Uh, this week was the uh, triumphal entry when Jesus uh, rode that donkey into the city of Jerusalem. At the end of the week, he would die on Calvary's cross. But thank God for Resurrection Day. And uh, next week, we're going to worship Jesus and thank him for that. Uh, you would think that I was going to preach on Palm Sunday today, but I'm not. I'm going to continue talking to you about, about spiritual gifts, and today we're going to specifically talk about faith. You know, every week, part of, part of my preparation for this morning's message is to be, be praying all week for this moment, that God would speak to your hearts, because that's what it's all about. We reading the living Word of God and it doing something that is uh, uh, God-proven in your life and changing you. But, but I've, I just, I've had a, I don't know, a, a different kind of burden for you today. And uh, I, I, just, I know we just prayed, but let's pray again. And I'm going to pray specifically for you that God would open your heart and that that Holy Spirit we just sang about would speak speak to you. Here, here's what's about to happen. I'm going to speak on the outside, but I'm praying the Holy Spirit would speak directly into your hearts. So I'm going to pray for you that that would happen. You pray for yourself and say, Lord, speak to me today. I need to hear from you today, Lord. And then pray for your neighbor because they need to hear from God too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. Thank you for the powerful worship that we've had. Thank you for our praise team, all the, all the work and the hours they put in. Dear Lord, thank you for their dedication and love for you. Lord Jesus, I pray that right now, right now you would fill this room with your Holy Spirit. Lord, as, as I speak on the outside, please, Jesus, speak into our hearts. May the word of God, which is quick and powerful, and alive, become alive in our hearts. And I pray, dear Lord, that the Word of God through the Holy Spirit would change people's lives today. I'm going to thank you in advance for what you're about to do in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
I'm sure you've all heard the definition of what a football game is. It's uh, an event where 50,000 people who desperately need some exercise are sitting in chairs, while at the same time, 22 men on the field who desperately need some rest are not getting any rest, right? Now, that's not only a definition that fits the game of football, I think it also fits the typical 20th century American church. In the average congregation, there are a host of people sitting in their pew or in their chair as spectators, while only a few people are involved in the ministry of the church. In fact, experts tell us that most churches operate on the 20-80 rule. That is, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people in the church. That's what I was taught back when I was in college and seminary. I honestly think that number has changed to 1090, all right? That 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people. If that is true for most churches, I'm sure there is not a single church in the universe where all of the people share an equal load of the work. It's also probably true that the churches that consistently grow or operating at a higher level than just 20% of the people involved in ministry. For that matter, if 20% is the average, then 30% would be an improvement. Amen? That's why we have been talking about spiritual gifts over the past six weeks. Now, I'm really not for sure what our percentage of workers is but what it is is bound to get higher after today because we have our ministry fair out in the lobby. And, and that is the key for the teaching in C groups and the preaching on Sunday mornings of spiritual gifts. That, that's why God gave us spiritual gifts, for you to discover your gift and then use it in a ministry in the church that you belong to. When, when we find out how God has gifted us, it's much easier to find out where we fit in the body of Christ. So let me begin this morning by looking at two very overlooked verses that talk about spiritual gifts. And I hate that we overlook these verses because they, they are so specific for the understanding of how spiritual gifts work in your life and in the church. The first one is found in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, as you know, Timothy was Paul's son in the ministry. And after personally selecting and training him, Paul sent Timothy to Ephesus to work with the believers in that church. And while he was there, Paul wrote young Timothy two letters. We know them as First and Second Timothy. They are filled with practical advice about the ins and outs of doing work and ministry in a local church. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul encourages Timothy not to feel timid because of his youth, but instead to show himself as a model among believers. Specifically, this is what Paul said in verse 13. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. And then he said in verse 14, do not neglect your gift which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. So Timothy's gift was the one Paul just mentioned. His gift was of teaching and preaching. 
Evidently, he was tempted to set that gift aside and not use it because he felt intimidated because of his youthfulness. You know, that kind of thing can happen to every one of us in this room. We can always find a reason not to use the gift that God has given to us. Maybe it's because you have just been so busy. You know what? That's life. We're always going to be busy. Maybe it's because you you don't feel equipped. You, You don't feel like you've been fully trained. Guys, I've been preaching for over 40 years and I don't feel completely trained. Every Sunday, it's a scary thing standing before you. So that can't be our excuse. But maybe we feel pressure to work uh, in another area of ministry because people have certain expectations on us, or perhaps we're just not sure what our gifts are. In any case, when, when we neglect our spiritual gifts, only bad things can happen. Three of them. First, there is wasted energy because we may be working in areas where we're not gifted and all we're doing, look at me, is just spinning our wheels. Have you ever been stuck in the mud and you give it gas and you're spinning your wheels, you're using a lot of energy, but you're not going anywhere? Second, there is unused potential as we fail to develop the areas of our giftedness. And then because of that, number three, there is growing frustration in our life because we wonder why God's work seems so difficult. Well, it's because you're not using your gift in the area of your giftedness. And those three things lead eventually to your own spiritual decline, and also it cripples the church. It affects the rest of us because we are so dependent upon you using the gift in this church that God has given to you. The second verse is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. And here's what Paul wrote to Timothy. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my own hands. Now, the the picture that he is drawing here is of a campfire where the coals have almost, but not quite, gone out. The fire has stopped roaring. There's no flame there. And the only way to get the fire burning again is to blow on those coals and to fan them back into a flame. Now, Paul's advice implies that Timothy need to take some decisive action. I don't know, maybe Timothy has become a spiritual couch potato. Remember, he he felt a little intimidated because he was just a a young man, and, and maybe he was just sitting on the couch not using his gift. In any case, it was time for Timothy to get off his duff and start moving. I said that is about as forcefully as as I could, just get out of your chair and go sign up for ministry. How do you fan into flame your spiritual gift? Well, first you have to clarify what your gift is. That's why we spent the last six weeks in C groups 
studying spiritual gifts. That's why I've spent the last six weeks preaching on spiritual gifts to help you discover what your gift is. And then, you know what? You, you need to pray and dedicate that gift back to God. A, f- a few weeks ago, I talked to you about the, the gifts God has for you. Our God is a gracious God. He's a giving God. He wants to give you the gift of forgiveness. Ain't nothing like that gift. To have all your past eradicated, washed away, for you to start over again. Man, what a feeling to be forgiven by God. That second gift goes along with forgiveness. It's eternal life. To have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. For you to be able to spend eternity with God in a perfect place instead of hell. The the third gift is the Holy Spirit. Look at it this way. God is living inside of you. And then the Holy Spirit gives us that fourth gift, which are spiritual gifts. He's given every one of us at at least one spiritual gift. All of us have this gift given to us by God. And you need to fan into flame that gift that God has given you. You you decide what that gift is, you pray and dedicate it back to God, and then you get up from doing that and you go out into the lobby and discover what ministry you can best use your gift in. Now, it's, it's pretty cool, Jason. We have over 25 ministries out there on those tables, places of service that you can get plugged into, that you can use your gift in. So after you've thanked God for the gift, he wants you to go sign up so that you can use your gift. And some variety of gifts. I mean, it it is so cool, the the different aspects of gift. Some of these, these ministries have been around about as long as this church has been in existence. One, one ministry is brand spanking new. Let, let me highlight it because we've never talked about it. These, these three right here, Brittany and Don and David, God has, has burdened their heart to, to start a new ministry in our church for those recovering from addiction. The Way of Recovery. It's the name of it, right? What a great name, The Way of Recovery. Because they have experienced that as a family, and they know that you need support in recovery. So this is a brand spanking new ministry. It's not going to start until what, May? I think it starts in May. So guess what? You can sign up for that ministry, get involved in that ministry, and be on the foundational steps of that ministry. Wow! And then, Ronnie, they can go out and buy a motorcycle and be a part of the CC Riders. Or go buy a bass boat and be a part of the Bass Club. I was talking to Danny Trowball about this just, just the other day. It, it, here's, here's the incredible thing about it. You might think, those, those are not real ministries. You want to bet? They, they reach more unchurched people through their ministry than, than some of the other ministries in our church. What a, what a great witness. What a, what a great opportunity to, to witness to, to men and women who may never step foot in a church, but yet they'll get on a motorcycle or go fish in a bass tournament. So you go and you sign up, and then you begin to use your gifts every chance you get. Here's what a spiritual gift is. A spiritual gift is potential for service in any given area. 
Nothing more, nothing less. What that means is this, you need to discover what your gift is, but that's just the first step. After discovering your gift, you need to develop your gift, and then you need to deploy that gift into some area of ministry. And this sermon series and our C group studies is meant to help you get started. But now the ball's in your court. What you do with it is up to you. Now, that was my long introduction. And I, and I really gave that introduction to encourage you to go out there and spend some time in our ministry fair so that you can activate your spiritual gift. What I've been doing over the last couple of weeks is, is talk about some specific gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. And that's what I want to do with my remaining time this morning. I want to talk to you about the gift of moving mountains. It's called the gift of faith. Let's look at this gift in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul lists it as one of the gifts of the Spirit. In verse 4, Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 12, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, we've read that passage before. The Holy Spirit determines what gift that you get. It's directed by the Holy Spirit. They're all given by God, but they are given to you not for your own selfish use, but for the use of the church. You're given your gift for the common good of all of us. So if you're not activating and using your gift, who that is hurting is not only you, but the rest of us as well. The Holy Spirit gives them. And then he says this in verse number eight. He starts listing these gifts. To one there is given, uh, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. That's one gift. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. So let me just do a quick timeout before I read verse 11. The Holy Spirit has given to some people in this room the gift of wisdom. You have wisdom, godly wisdom, to give us direction. To some in this room, you have the gift of knowledge. We need that gift to be activated in our church. But I'm not here to talk about those two gifts. I'm going to talk about the third one. He said in verse 9, to some is given the gift of faith. And then he says this in verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So today we're going to talk about that special gift, the gift of faith. How would I define that? Well, let me throw this definition up on the screen. It is the special ability God gives to certain members of the body of Christ. God has given certain ones of you this gift of faith. It enables you to do two things. Number one, to trust God in order to meet specific needs that seem impossible to the rest of us. And number two, to discern with unusual confidence the will of God for the future of the work of God. 
So this gift of faith enables some of you to do two things that we desperately need at Kavanaugh Church. To see the impossible and make it a reality. To discern the will of God for the future of the work of God. I think the point is made clear when you think of the different kinds of faith that are in the New Testament. You say, well, faith is faith. Yes, it is, but the New Testament describes it in different ways. For example, there is saving faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved by faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That is the faith which all believers must exercise when they trust Christ as their Savior. Now, the miracle of the new birth is, is something absolutely mind-boggling because God has done all the work. God's done it. You can't work for your own salvation. You can't buy your salvation. You can't earn your salvation. Your salvation is a free gift from God. And God's done all the work for you. We believe that Jesus Christ was a man who actually lived on planet earth. But not only was he fully man, he was fully God. And that enabled him, the son of God, to climb on a rugged cross and die on Calvary's hill to save you from your sins. We believe what the Bible teaches that Jesus' blood was shed for the remission of your sins. And the only way you can be saved is to believe in the blood of Jesus, to believe and ask God to save you by his blood from your sins. We believe that Jesus was buried in a tomb, but we also believe that on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead and he beat the devil and death and hell and has given us victory. So Jesus did all the work. So what's your part in salvation? Your part is to believe. By faith, we believe. Now, I do believe that repentance is part of salvation. You've got to repent of your sins. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a savior. But your part is faith. Your part is believing. And so the Bible very specifically says, you're not going to be saved until you believe. So there is saving faith, but there's also walking faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. That is the faith which sustains us in our day-by-day Christian life. Every morning when you get up, you've got a choice to make. Am I going to follow the the ways of the world? Am I going to listen to the world? Am I going to follow the world's advice? Am I going to follow what I see, or am I going to walk by faith? And there's a world of difference between the two. We walk by faith. There is also the fruit of faith, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. That is the quality of faithfulness which the Holy Spirit living inside of us produces as we rely on Him. And every day, big term here, every day I am a, a little more like Jesus. We call that progressive sanctification. 
Why? Because I'm faithful to him. I believe in him. I study his word daily. And so today I'm going to be more faithful in my walk to Jesus than I was yesterday because I'm learning the word of God. I'm studying the scripture. I'm becoming more like Jesus. And it is, look at me, it is faithfulness that keeps us in the race of life. People are stumbling and falling by the wayside, left, right, and center. But those of us in Jesus who are faithful to him keep our eyes fixed on the prize, which is Christ Jesus. And we keep running the race because he's faithful. We are faithful. And then there is the faith that pleases God. you got to love Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That is the faith that we need to face the trials and the difficulties of life. Have you faced any difficulties lately? If not, count your blessings, but hang on. They're coming. They're coming. In fact, before you go to bed tonight, and I don't mean to be a gloom and doom preacher, but before you go to bed tonight, your world may fall apart. What's going to keep you in there? Faith. Believing in Him. Now, all these are things that a genuine kind of faith looks like. Every believer needs to have this kind of faith, saving faith, walking faith, faithfulness. That, that's the kind of faith you are to live with and live by. But there is a special kind of faith that is different than these other faiths. It's called the gift of faith. It's given to certain believers. It, it's their gift of the Spirit. All of us are to manifest faith. All of us are to grow in our faith. But some of you, some of you in this room have this gift of faith. And in the definition that we gave a little bit earlier, it stresses two aspects of this gift of faith. Number one, it is faith for impossible situations. And secondly, it is faith for discerning the will of God. And for those of you who have this gift of faith, we are counting on you. When the rest of us say, no, that can't be done, we need some people of faith who say, yeah, but we serve a God of possibilities and it can be done. In this uncertain world, we need some of you with a discerning faith to show us the way that we need to go. Now, with regard to that first element of impossible situations. We only need to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2 to see that, that God was thinking about this, not only in chapter 12 when he listed this gift of faith, but also to describe it in chapter 13. You know what 1 Corinthians 13 is, don't you? It's a love chapter. So talking about love, here's what he says in verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, then I am nothing. That's quite a bit of faith right there, faith to move mountains. The gift of faith is evidently connected in some way with the unusual the miraculous, those extraordinary events in life 
that we can't create or control on our own. They're acts of God. They're things of the impossible. Impossible situations. And so you might be wondering, well, how do I know if I have that gift? Or how can we spot people who have that gift? I think you see this gift in two very specific areas. First of all, the people with this gift are usually strong at intercessory prayer. That is, they know how to get through to God. When they pray, though it may not be with big words and long phrases, you know God's heard them. I mean, when they pray, you know they're praying right to the throne room of grace. It's like heaven's coming down and they're just talking straight to God. You might ask yourself, if, if I were in a life or death emergency and I could only call one person to pray for me, who would that person be? Who would you call? Well, the, the person that you would call, the name of that person is usually somebody who has this gift of faith because they can pray, man. Second, the people with this gift are often great starters. What do I mean by that? Well, that is, they have the vision necessary to get a ministry going. When everyone else sees only the problems, they see the possibilities. When everyone else has given up, they're still going strong. By faith, they see what others can't see. Have you ever heard this phrase? Some men see things as they are and ask why. Others see things as they could be and ask why not. That's exactly how this gift of faith operates. It sees things that could be and asks why not. You guys look at, we need people like that in our church, man. I don't know that you're getting this, so let me kind of switch it around and say it in a different way. Have, have you ever met somebody who, who just sees things different than you, and you think, how do they see that? About a year ago now, a dear friend of mine in this church passed away, Jim Housh. Anybody remember the Jim? Incredible man. He, he was a developer. He, he would take a a plot of land and develop it into a housing addition. He did that numerous times over in Oklahoma, did it here in Arkansas. Not only in housing developments, but he could build stuff like golf courses. In fact, he built one in Edmond, Oklahoma. Steve, we went up there and played that golf course, great golf course. And he showed me pictures of the land before he developed it. And it, all I saw were were trees and brush and shrubs and thorns and creeks and rocks. That's all I saw. That's all I could see. I said, Jim, how, how, did you, how did you go about building this golf course? He said, well, I just walked through all of this, and all of a sudden I visually could see it. There's a tee box. There's a green. We're going to change this and turn it into a lake. And I'm thinking, <laughs> how? How, could, how can you see that? Because I certainly couldn't see it. And in a spiritual sense, that's what we're talking about. Men and women who have this gift of faith 
can see things that we can't see. They can see possibilities when we only see impossibilities. And I'm here to tell you, church, every great step of faith, every great ministry that has begun has been started by people with the gift of faith. I can prove it right here at Cavanaugh Church in 1962, November of 1962. There was a man who had a little bit of this gift. His name was H.D. Shipley. And he could envision, he could see a Free Will Baptist Church on the south side of Fort Smith in the Cavanaugh community. And while others probably said, no, that can't happen, Brother Shipley believed it could. I never met the man, never got to sit down and talk to him. But thank God for his vision. Thank God that he exercised that gift of faith. Hmm. They see what we can't see. And I affirm again, every great ministry have been started by people of faith. You only have to think of Hudson Taylor in inland China, D.L. Moody of Chicago, Bill Bright with Campus Crusades for Christ, Tory Johnson of Youth for Christ, Bob Pierce of World Vision, Dawson Trotman of the Navigators, all of them great men, but they had this gift of faith and they could see what the rest of us could not see. I could talk about any of those guys, but let me talk about one I didn't mention. His name was Cameron Townsend. He graduated from Compton High School in California in 1914. All of his schoolmates thought that he was going to go on and be a senator in Washington. He, he just had that charisma about him. But instead, he went to Guatemala as a missionary to the Cachiquel Indians. When he got there, he found that they had no Bible in their native language, and so he gave them Spanish Bibles, which were absolutely no good to them because they couldn't read Spanish. It, it brought about a huge problem. And finally, one day, something was said to him that changed his life forever. One of the Kachikau Indians came to him and said, if your God is so great, and that's all you've been talking about is how great your God is, if your God is so great, why can't he speak our language? <laughs> wow. Right then and there, he laid aside the Spanish Bible, and he determined that he was going to learn their native tongue and translate the New Testament into their language so that they could have the Word of God. And then a burden started growing in his heart. He thought, if, if this is true with these Indians, what, how many other languages, how many other people, groups, don't have the written Word of God that they can sit down and read? Why haven't we done that for them? And so he went to his superiors and, and shared with them his vision. Let's translate the Word of God into every language spoken on the globe. You know what they said? No way. It can't be done. There's absolutely, that's impossible. The job is too big. The, the task is too hard. We don't even know how many languages there are. It would take decades to accomplish that. But Cam Townsend decided to start himself, so he went back and he learned the Kachikel Indians' language and began the work of translating the New Testament. He took with him the promise of Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. According to your faith, be it unto you. And from that small beginning came the greatest translation organization in our world. We know them as Wycliffe Bible Translators. Translators. 
And when Uncle Cam died several years ago, the New Testament had been translated into 161 different languages, and 4,500 missionaries were working on 761 other languages. All because of one man's dream. A man who heard God's call stepped out in faith when others doubted and never, ever gave up. Faith to do the impossible. Have I mentioned we need that gift in our church? Let me just do a parenthesis right here and talk about the hardest part of moving a mountain. Many times we read the prayer promises of the Bible and they just seem overwhelming to us. For example, we will read the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 11, 22 and 23. Jesus had had have faith in God. We agree with that, don't we? Say amen, have faith in God. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. I counted four amens. How about an amen? Oh, yeah, preacher, amen. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. That sounds pretty impossible to me. That was for the disciples back then. Doesn't apply to us today. Maybe there's a catch somewhere in this little phrase Jesus used. There's a secret formula that, that hasn't been passed down to us, so we don't know how to activate that kind of faith. Really, it, it, it sounds preposterous. Mountain. Go jump in the lake. As I've studied that this week, I've come to realize there is a key word in this statement by Jesus. And I submit to you, it's that little word says. The hardest part of throwing a mountain into the sea is simply saying the words, mountain, go jump in the lake. Rest of it, I guess, is pretty easy. The hard part is saying it. Think about it. You, you can think it all you want to, but to say it out loud, you're putting your faith to the test. To say it out loud breaks all those barriers. It, it, it puts you out there as a freakish person of faith. To say it out loud is a whole lot different than thinking it. Maybe you've heard me say this before, but here's my favorite definition of faith. Faith is belief plus unbelief, but acting on the belief part. Apparently you didn't get that. You know, we all have our doubts, don't we? Let's be honest, who, who doesn't? Nothing in life is certain. We can pray and pray and we're not sure how things are going to turn out. But, but if you wait for 100% certainty, you're going to be waiting forever. It's kind of like waiting on having 
any kids until you're ready or financially stable, you'd never have kids. So, so how does this faith thing work? Well, God responds to those who, who partly believe, partly doubt, but they take their heart in their hands and they act on the belief part. Yeah, yeah there are doubts, but they, they put those doubts to death when they speak it with their mouth. And they act on the faith part. It's, it's like Noah building a boat when he had never seen a drop of rain. I mean, it's one thing to think about building an ark. It's another thing to take your axe and go out in the forest and chop down some gopher wood trees. I thought that was funny when I wrote it down, apparently. You chop the trees down and you start building the thing. Impossible situations. Years ago, in the early days of Dallas Theological Seminary, the seminary faced a severe financial crisis. Debts had mounted to the point that the creditors had fixed a certain day as the deadline. And if those bills were not paid by noon on that day, they were going to foreclose on Dallas Theological Seminary and the school would cease to exist. That morning, the morning of the day, the creditors would call their note in. Dr. Lewis Chafer, the founder and first president of the seminary, met in his office, the president's office, with board members of the seminary and some other pastors. And they were going to spend that morning praying for God to intervene. They were going to pray for the impossible. In the room that day was Dr. Harry Ironside. Now, those of you who are, are Bible speakers, teachers, and some of you preachers in here, you've heard of Dr. Harry Ironside, wrote many commentaries. In fact, at that time, he was the pastor of Moody Memorial Church in Chicago, famous preacher. It came his turn to pray. And remember, he's in Dallas, Texas, so here's his prayer. Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. We just pray you'd sell a couple of those cows and give us the money. <laughs> now, they were in the president's office having this prayer meeting. Outside in the business office, a tall Texan walked through the doors. At that very moment, he had on jeans, cowboy boots, spurs, hat. He was the real deal. And he said to the secretary, I just came from Fort Worth where I sold two carloads of cattle at the Fort Worth stockyards. I went across the street, which was Exchange Avenue, to do a business deal, but the business deal fell through. And as I was standing there on Exchange Avenue, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, drive over to Dallas and give that check to the seminary. They need the money. Well, the secretary knew they were having a prayer meeting in the president's office, and she looked at the check and didn't even knock on the door. <laughs> she just walked through, handed the check to Dr. Chafer. He looked at the check and saw the name. He knew that cowboy out there, and he looked at the amount, and lo and behold, it was the exact amount to the penny what they needed to pay their debts. And he said, Harry... 
Dr. Harry Ironside. Harry, God just sold the cows. <laughs> Amen. I don't know. Maybe you think that's kind of corny. It really happened. Maybe you think, oh, that, that only happens to certain people, certain situations. God doesn't do stuff like that anymore. You want to bet? Jason serves on Randall's board of trustees. I served on the board, was actually chairman for several years. When I was on the board, we almost had the same thing happen to us. There was a group in the state of Oklahoma of education officials that they were wanting to shut down non-accredited agencies and schools. Hillsdale was non-accredited. And so they had us on the checklist. They were going to shut us down. We did everything we could as trustees and as a school to, to avoid that, but it was in the last hour. The, the only way possible for the school to exist was that the Senate of the House of Oklahoma representatives vote in a midnight hour to save not only Hillsdale but other, a few other schools as well. Can you imagine your entire future in the hands of a politician? Could I tell you something? There were, there were free will Baptists in Oklahoma and in Texas and Arkansas and Missouri and all over our denomination praying during that midnight hour, and it passed. And Hillsdale was saved. And now as Randall University, our school is thriving. I'm here to tell you God can still do the impossible. But sometimes we don't get that because our emphasis is on self-reliance. Even in church, we rely on the arm of the flesh for our finances and our buildings and our programs but Kavanaugh Church, I want to remind you what Zechariah 4.4 says. It's still true. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Here's the bottom line. God is still looking for some men and women who will dare to live by faith. He's looking for some men and women who will take him at his word and rely on him for everything they need in life. So is there anyone listening to these words who, who feels like you could be doing more with your life than you're doing right now? Is there anyone here today who says, I want more out of life than just making a living or waiting for retirement? If there is, I invite you to join the long line of men and women who have decided they are going to live by faith and trust in God to do the impossible. We always give an invitation here at Kavanaugh Church. Today, here's the invitation. If you've never experienced the saving faith of Jesus Christ, I invite you to come and be saved today. Listen to me, Jesus has already done all the work for you. He has died on Calvary's cross for the remission of your sins. He can set you free today. He can take all the junk in your life and totally erase it. He can give you a clean slate. You can start over today through his forgiveness. Have eternal life. The Holy Spirit 
He's done the work. All it takes on your part is faith. Will you believe? For those of us who are believers, come and exercise your faith. Come to the altar today and say, Lord, help my unbelief and act on belief. Trust God with the impossible situations in your life, whether it be financial or or physical or health or rebellious kids or an addiction that is crumbling your family. Trust God. He can do some pretty amazing things. Then one final thing. If you are here today and you just think, maybe, maybe I've got this gift of faith. Maybe God's given me this gift. If you think that, if you know that, if you believe that, I'm, I'm going to ask that you come and tell God today, Lord, I'm ready to be used by you at Kavanaugh Church. Because let me tell you, your gift is needed today. God can still do impossible things. And we need some men and women with this gift of faith to help us discern the will of God for the future of this church. You know, I'm not a doom and gloom kind of preacher, but let me tell you, we're, we're, we're about to face some serious obstacles as Christians in America. If you think COVID was something bad, get ready. It's about to get worse. We're going to be facing some new situations as Christians and as a church that no one in the history of the world, I believe, has ever faced before. The foundation of America is crumbling. We have lost our Christian values. We need men and women of faith and spiritual discernment to show us the way we need to go so that the kingdom of God can keep growing in this perilous hour. We need your gift of faith. So rise up and exercise that faith. Heavenly Father, I pray that you do something amazing in this room. We've, We've prayed that Jesus be lifted up, and we pray that as Jesus is lifted up in this room, that Jesus would draw men, women, boys, and girls unto himself. Lord, there's somebody in the room that needs to be saved. They need to exercise that saving faith. May they come today and receive the gift of salvation. For the rest of us, may we come and pray that you would help us conquer our doubts and live by faith and walk by faith. And then, dear Lord, for those who have that special gift of faith, I pray that they would come and surrender that gift to you and use it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Praise team is going to sing as they sing. Come and pray. Whatever your need is, come. Let Jesus meet it today. You're facing an impossible situation. Jesus, Jesus can make it possible today. Come by faith and pray to him.
can change anything in your life. I just sense the floodgates are about to open. If, if you need to come and respond right now by faith, don't lose this chance. However the Lord's dealing with your friend, come. Come and pray. It's, it's important that you step out in faith. It's important that you respond in faith. It's important that you take that first step. It's, it's important that you say it out loud with your mouth and you believe it. So as they sing just one more little chorus of this song, don't miss this chance to have your life transformed. Lord, thank you. Thank you for doing that for us. Thank you for changing everything and making us new from the inside out. Lord, for those who, who came today to the altar to pray and take care of business in their life, I pray that you would honor that decision of faith and that you would bless them and transform them and change them and help them. Lord, for those of us who are, who are still struggling with life issues, I pray that before the day is over, we would exercise our own faith and trust you, Jesus. Thank you for this gift of faith. Thank you for the faithful people of Kavanaugh Church who have this gift and are using it to make us a better church. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated for just a moment. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening. Come back, come back next Sunday, and I'm going to talk about the resurrection and the power that uh, God can give you to change your own life. If you're a member of Kavanaugh, when you walk out the door, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. We would appreciate it. Uh, Brother Nathan made the plea for those who would like to have their picture made for our new directory. We really do need an information update on you. So fill this card out and go have your picture made. Now, here's the deal. Look at me. You don't have to be a member of Kavanaugh to be in our directory. If you've been coming here and you count this your church, just go have your picture made. Uh, we want you in our directory so we can see how good looking you are, all right? So do that. If you're a guest, there is a Connect card in the chair back in front of you. If you'll fill that out, take it to the Connect counter right outside this door. We have a gift that we're going to give you. Uh, on your seat is one of these little invite cards, two-sided. It's to be used to invite your friends, family members, neighbors, coworkers, 
Even people you don't know to Kavanaugh Church for Easter has that information on the front. On the back, it's our egg hunt that's going to happen this Saturday for all of our kids. Brother Johnny does this every year. I don't know how many eggs they did this year, maybe 45,000 or close. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that many. But anyway, at one o'clock. Y'all are hard, aren't you? At one o'clock on Saturday, that, that entire field across the parking lot over here is going to be full of eggs. I mean, they're not going to be hard to find because you can't take a step without stepping on an egg, all right? So, and they're full of candy, so bring your kids, grandkids, neighbor kids at one o'clock. If you'd like to come early at 10 o'clock and help Brother Johnny fill that field with eggs, I know that he would appreciate it. Ministry fair is going on in the lobby. Before you leave today, walk by and at least look at the different ministries of this church, ask questions to those who are there, and sign up for a ministry. We always have church on Wednesday night, don't we? Always, except for this Wednesday night. We don't have service Wednesday night. We're going to have it Thursday night. Why? This is Passion Week. And this week, 2,000 years ago on Thursday night, Jesus met in the upper room with his disciples and instituted what we know as the Lord's Supper. And so we're going to do that historically this week on Thursday night. So don't come Wednesday night, come Thursday night, come into this room. Everybody is going to be together. And as a family, we are going to take the Lord's Supper in communion. All right? Cool. You good with that? Y'all yeah. are awesome. So would you get off your duff and go out there and exercise your gift of faith and find a ministry. Get out of here.